Welcome to Fuel, the official podcast of Friends Southwest, a family of churches whose mission is fueling a spirit-led movement where Jesus changes people who change the world. It's our hope in these monthly podcasts to bring you helpful information, engage meaningful conversations, and provide moments of inspiration to fuel you as you follow Jesus and care for His church. Well, the Christmas season is upon us. Christmas provides so many incredible opportunities to love our neighbors, to serve those in our communities in need with food and clothing drives, to invite people to church who would not otherwise come, and to share the hope of the gospel with those who have still not received it, even if they're the ones who've come to Christmas service for the past 10 years. It's such a wonderful time of the year. Christmas is also a time where families go into crisis. People die. Loneliness is rampant. Addictions in full bloom. And stress off the charts. And all of these opportunities come to those of us in ministry as well. We attend a plethora of events. We're invited into the sacred, messy places in people's lives to give wisdom and stability. We show up to the hospital. We take the crisis call, all the while trying to plan thoughtful Christmas services in the hopes that the message of salvation will be understood and received. It's an exciting season fraught with promise, but it can be a taxing season fraught with stress as well. So in this busy, sacred time of year, we wanted to offer you a few minutes of rest and replenishment. We know you're busy, so this won't be long but we'd encourage you to take your time with it and pause it as you feel led. We hope you'll find a quiet place or simply shut your office door with a note that says, do not disturb for the next 15 minutes and engage with us as we sit in stillness, meditate, sing, pray, and receive from the Spirit. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Now for just a few seconds, literally take a deep breath. Breathe in deeply and hold it for a bit, then exhale. Do this a few times to regulate your breathing and to get your system calm so that you can make yourself available to the Spirit of the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. Pay attention to the things that are racing in your mind and warring against your own stillness with the Lord. Repeat this verse in your head as you inhale and exhale. Be still and know that I am God. Continue to work at being present with him in this moment. To be still in God's presence and to let him speak to you and encourage you.
For the next few minutes, we are going to meditate on a well-known Christmas scripture passage. I'm going to read it and then read it several times, emphasizing different words in the passage. The word of the Lord says that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there shall be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I want to just ask you to concentrate for a moment on, on the contrast in your life between light and dark. He said, those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. I want you just for a minute to focus your thoughts on the words unto us. Unto us. Remember, you were in God's heart when he set forth his plan to rescue the world. And when he said those words, unto us, he was thinking of you. Now I want to direct your thoughts towards the description of our Savior, where he says, wonderful counselor. Maybe just take a moment and unpack that word wonderful. What does that mean to you? That he is our counselor and more specific, he is your counselor. He's the mighty God. And for the mighty God, nothing shall be impossible. What about everlasting father? Isn't it good to know that he is forever your father? He is the Prince of Peace. As that Prince of Peace, He is growing, abiding. It is lasting. It is peace that passes, Scripture says, all understanding. How about the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this? Think about that word zeal that your God is passionately jealous for you, that he's seeking a relationship with you and for you. Just for a minute, just meditate on that. Maybe just thank him for the zeal he has and the passion he has towards you. And once again, just listen to these words that the people walking in darkness, they've seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there shall be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal 
of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. Now, let your heart be free to worship God and ascribe to him the glory due his name with this simple but moving song. Let the alleluia flow from your heart and lead you into the proclamation that Christ, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, Christ, the savior of the world has come. close in a time of praise and prayer using the New Living Translation of Zacharias' prayer in Luke 1. Let's first read the passage. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. 
He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant. We have been rescued from our enemies so that we can serve God without fear, in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. Let's take Zechariah's song and make it a prayer of our own. I'll lead us and then give you some space to add your own prayers to the Lord as well. Lord, we praise you. We lift you up and worship you. Thank you for keeping your promises, for being faithful, for making our redemption a reality through your son Jesus who saved us completely. Lord, your mercies are from everlasting to everlasting and they are present for us every day. Help us have eyes to see and hearts to receive your mercies with gratitude. Help us identify areas of fear in our lives where we may be giving background to our enemy, ground that you have already secured in Christ Jesus. We confess areas of our lives that are lacking in righteousness, holiness, and courage. We proclaim right now the truth that you have rescued us from the grip of our enemy. And so, Lord, as we prepare to celebrate your coming, we re-consecrate ourselves to serve you without fear, to serve you, Lord, in righteousness and holiness. Help us, God, to be grounded in your righteousness and holiness that is now ours through Christ. Your perfect love cast out fear. And finally, Lord, we lay ourselves, our agendas, and our plans down. We surrender them to you and your wisdom, and like Mary, we say, let it be done according to your word. Amen. Thanks for joining us for these few moments. We pray you were able to be still and breathe and let yourself be available to the refreshing peace of God. Let's let the last words of Zachariah's song be our benediction of hope today. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. My friends, May you live into this promise all season. Merry Christmas and glory to God in the highest. For a few more minutes of reflection and inspiration, we invite you to listen to a story called A Walk One Winter's Night. A Walk One Winter's Night by Al Andrews, A Christmas Story. It was cold that winter evening as I ambled down my quiet street. I needed to walk to clear my mind of all the clutter and stress of the season. It seems that every year it gets worse. More obligatory parties, irritated drivers, and panicky shoppers. Long lines everywhere. I remember a time when I was more expectant. When the reason for all of this celebrating meant everything to me. But sadly, this night, my internal monologue was, 
Let's just get this thing over and get back to normal. Frankly, my cynicism troubled me, and when I'm troubled, I take a walk, even if it's near midnight, even if it's cold, even if there are still things to be done. The hour was late and a light rain was falling. Stray flakes of snow twirled and mingled in from windows and trees. The lights of the season sparkled through the heavy mist like stars aching to beam brightly in this dreary, dark night. Turning up my collar, I pulled my jacket tighter. That kind of cold finds its way through most any opening. As I walked, I saw them out of the corner of my eye. Mary, Joseph, the baby Jesus, displayed in a wooden stable in someone's front yard. The usual characters were assembled as well, shepherds, sheep, a camel, and the wise men three. On the stable's roof, a precariously perched angel looked on and was tilting slightly to the left. All of them were illuminated by two bright floodlights shining from the grass in front of them. I almost passed them by. They were easy to miss as I've grown accustomed to their presence. They are, after all, available everywhere, in all sizes, ornament size, mantle size, coffee table size, yard size, and they come in a box, easy to assemble. But that night, I'm not sure why, something caused me to turn my head, inviting me to linger. I stopped to look at them for a while as one would stand in front of a Rembrandt painting in a museum. I must admit it felt somewhat odd and awkward. After all, grown-ups don't pause and stare at yard nativity scenes. But for some reason that night, that moment, I felt I should be there to witness something, to see. I folded my arms and I looked, obedient to this mysterious nudge. She wore blue. Mary always wears blue a neatly pressed, clean, blue garment. Her face, porcelain and untouchable, had a fixed expression, pleasant and peaceful. With her fragile hands folded in prayer, she gazed down adoringly at her child. She was perfect, this Mary, pristine, with moisture glistening on her smooth ceramic shawl. Joseph wore brown. Joseph always wears brown. Brown is a fitting color for a character relegated to the background, for someone who never gets top billing. His eyes appeared vacant and his beard neatly trimmed. He was there, as he always is, on the edge. He can't seem to find his place. Everyone else has something distinctive. Wings, crowns, gifts, halos, a shepherd's crook. But all he has is brown. Then there was the baby Jesus, his tiny arms extended, the star attraction. A halo encircled his little head, reaching from ear to ear, a clean white fabric wrapped around him. Swaddled, I suppose, is the appropriate Christmas word to use. His sm he smiled an unearthly smile. He's always happy, this manger Jesus. It looked like he'd never slept and never cried. It didn't appear that he wanted to be held, nursed, or cuddled either. I won't take time to describe the others, but you know them. You probably even know where each is positioned in the stable. The shepherds go there, the camels and sheep over there, the wise men there, there, and there. I imagine you too are accustomed to their presence. I remained standing trying to stay warm. Looking at them through the gauzy mist, I pondered. I simply couldn't relate to them in any way. They 
seemed remote and untouchable just like this season had become for me. With considerable guilt, I wondered, why don't I like these people? After this abrupt and irreverent thought came to me, I half expected the ground underneath to open up and swallow me whole, or a bolt of lightning to descend with a flash and a snap, leaving a little pile of smoldering ashes that used to be me. I closed my eyes and waited for the end. Thankfully, neither the heavens nor the ground opened, so I continued my gaze. And then, something happened. Something I frankly don't expect you to believe. I heard a noise coming from Mary's direction. It startled me. Who's that? I said. Though her figure didn't move, a soft voice pleaded. This is not me, she cried. This is not real. And her voice broke. Please, listen to me. My garment isn't this clean. And it's not this brilliant shade of blue. It's a blue faded by the dust of a long journey. It smells of my sweat and of the mule whose back I rode upon. My blue is stained with red, the, the red blood of birth. It's soiled by the dung of the stable floor and my face, my real face, is blemished. I'm a teenage girl. My brow is furrowed from worry. Worry about this baby. Worry about tomorrow. What will Herod do? Will he find us? are red from tears of pain. I'm so lonely and afraid. This is my first baby and my mother's not here with me. This picture is not who I am, she said again. I am real. Please, let me be real. And her voice trailed off. Her words, both gentle and pleading, reached inside of me so deeply I could barely breathe. And while I was catching my breath, I heard a deeper voice. You're wrong about me too. It was coming from Joseph's direction. This is not me. This is not real. Please listen to me, he said firmly. I started to take a step backwards, but his voice riveted me in place. Listen, he repeated, really listen. I am not the quiet, simple character you make me out to be. My eyes are not vacant. Hours ago, they were full of fire when I grabbed the innkeeper's tunic with a tight grip and said, don't tell me there's not some room for us somewhere. And then he found a place for us. I am a man with a purpose, to travel where I was told to go and to lead my family safely there. And we made it. Now that we are here, I'm still on guard, for we are in danger. Joseph continued, Yes, I wear brown, but it's for stealth. I blend in with my surroundings, and from my vantage point, my eyes scan every opening in this place for anyone who is out to do us harm, and no one will get by me. Just let them try. I am the keeper of this light, and I will keep him safe. You're wrong about me. This is not who I am. I am real. Please, let me be real. His words soaked into me like the evening's mist. I felt admonished and 
awakened to something that was true. And then I heard a cry. I looked Jesus in the wooden ranger. He was thrashing about in the hay. He had soiled himself and he looked uncomfortable. His cloth was twisted in his arms and legs. He grimaced from the prickly straw. His face was red and his cry grew louder, the cry of a hungry infant. His toothless mouth opened and he arched his back. He cried so hard that he ran out of breath and for a moment it was quiet. But I knew it was the quiet before he drew another breath. And then he wailed so loudly, I expected the lights in the nearby houses to turn on and the neighbors to come running out. I wondered if he too would speak, but he didn't need to. Somehow his words were in me and I spoke for him. This is not me. This is not real. Please listen to me. The reason I came, the reason I was sent was to be real to feel everything you felt, to know everything you need, because I needed it too. To hurt like you've hurt, laugh like you've laughed, skin my knee like you've skinned your knee, and have my heart broken like your heart has been broken. I came so that one day, or one winter night, when you come face to face with your defeat, your moment of absolute need, you can come to me and say, this too. Lead me through it. And I will. This is not me. I am real. Please, let me be real. Then there was silence. A long stillness that hushed the wind and pushed away the noises of the night. In the quiet, I was being given room room to feel and considered what I'd just seen and heard. And out of the silence, the truth appeared like the stars revealed by parting clouds. Maybe the figures before me weren't real because I had made them that way. I had made them that way so they would be predictable and safe, easy to ignore and box up after Christmas, out of sight and out of mind. Maybe if Jesus wasn't real, he would be tame and small. Maybe I had rendered him untouchable because I was afraid of his touch. I'm sorry, I said. I know this isn't you. I can see it now. You're not who I've seen you to be, untouchable, perfect, something I made rather than someone who made me. You are real. You are true, and you are here. I'm so sorry, I said again as my eyes brimmed with tears. Then sorrow nudged me to kneel next to a shepherd on the wet grass in front of something so real, so very real, I couldn't even begin to comprehend it. As I knelt, became part of the story, and the story became part of me, and I felt his gentle pardon. Suddenly, everything expanded, this scene, this night, my heart, and I felt real. 
A Walk One Winter Night was written by Al Andrews, published by Worthy Inspired, and you can get a copy at www.awalkonewinternight.com.